Being a follower of Jesus, death doesn't have the last word, but Jesus does. I love that. You know, every time that I attend, every time that I preach, that I minister out of that overflow of the resurrection, there's hope, there's confidence. Without it, man, you're just kind of numb at best. And, and as the video even depicted, death makes you feel alone. I, I know that experientially because as a nine-year-old boy losing my mom, being the only kid in my school that had ever lost a parent in the 60s that I remembered, I knew what it was to go to Dalretta Elementary School without my mom, my best friend. And I will say this to you, sometimes people, they mean well, but they go, Pastor, Keith, Joe, whatever, you need to get over it. No, 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 hold, hold on, friend. <laughs> I need to move through it. Because, you know, I can start crying right now, and it's been over 50 years since I lost my mom. That's how precious that relationship, and then I add all that into my parents and Donna's mom and dad and all that, and, and people in this church that I love dearly that surround us in the great cloud of witnesses. So death is for all of us, and yet I like the season we're coming up on. We have a Savior. We have a God. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Nothing is more shocking, emotional, or final than death. You don't escape death. You don't escape what happens around death, child, spouse, parent, close friend, whatever. It's just hard. Don and I now are the patriarchs in the fullest sense that we're the oldest members of our family. How did that happen? And yet, right next to my study at home was where Jan lived the last year of her life with us. I thought it was kind of interesting. My wife's not in here. I wanted this to minister to her, and she's working with her kids today, but maybe God's got her over there for a reason. I've reflected this week as I thought about grief and death. I thought about just almost a year ago, my last visit with Jan, our last conversation, our last meal, and yes, our last holiday. We knew that last year would be the last holidays that she would spend with us on this earth. So those, those are tough. Those are still raw for me. Some of you are like, man, my folks passed away 10 years ago, 5 years ago. My husband, my wife, my friend. And it's real. This is one of those messages. It's just raw. And we have a warehouse of memories. And, and used to be, we would have photograph albums. Let me tell you, young people, they have this thing called photographs. They, they have albums. They have pictures in them. I should, yes, right. I could have brought my wedding pictures from the 70s in here. Big hair, and you would have believed me then. Curly hair. I pray, I dream about it at night now. But I got to thinking, after Jan had passed away and we were going through all this stuff, there were pictures and pictures and more pictures and reminiscing and man, all that. And I think today's kids, you adults that are going to get older, you're not going to have that. I know you're going, I got a hard drive, bro got an external drive i just go put on apple tv and we'll just flip it okay i know it's so cool we have that too but there's something about picking up pictures but you have a warehouse of photographs you have your computers but better than that you got memories and i could sit here and just ask every one of you to turn to somebody and share your best memory but we would never get out of here so let's keep going and here's what i want to say to you you can never prepare enough for the death of a loved one 
like that, my mom was taken instantly. Our life was changed forever. My dad had progressive heart disease, so I got to watch him dissipate in life. Jan, I got to see life take her on a slow road. You in this church, I've seen it sudden. I've seen it kind of quick. I've seen it drawn out. But we don't get to choose. The Lord does. He is sovereign. He is in charge. But death is deeply emotionally tough. And I just wanted to put out here a couple things from the Kubler-Ross. It's kind of, they're kind of experts on death. But one thing they said, these are some myths, that grief has an end point. It really doesn't. You, you move through it, you work through it, but it's not like, okay, grief is over. <laughs> hopefully you do get stronger. Hopefully you do find hope for the, the next day, for the next season, but it, it doesn't have an end because life is forever changed. Here's the one we like to cliche. Time heals all wounds. That is not true. Time helps, but it doesn't heal them all the way necessarily. Because you still miss them. Life is still just different. Uh, you, 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 some people say you recover from grief like you recover from a cold. It gets a little better every day until it completely goes away. Really? Really? I don't think so. And the church said, no, you're supposed to say, they didn't know what they were talking about. That's not true. Uh, there's ups and downs. There's good days. There's bad days. There's bad months. There's good months. There's good years. And then, and then I'm grateful for those uh, photos we display where you, where you just see them. I know as I walk through my house, and I have, we have, of course, you know, our grandkids, they kind of dominate everything now. And then our kids, God knows how much we love them. But then there's some of those older saints. I, wow, I, I, I didn't want to cry, I'm a professional. My, my dad, I have a picture, a couple of pictures of him in my study at home. It's special to me. I have pictures of Jan, different ones. You, you, you know what I'm saying here. Hey, here's one people tell you sometimes. If you still cry when you think or you talk about your loved one after a long time, you're stuck. Well, not, not necessarily. It doesn't mean you're stuck. It just means you grieve. It just means, just means you. You know what I learned? When you love well, you hurt well. You grieve. I mean, it's just part of it. I, I know somebody's like, man, you're kind of telling us you're trying to help us here. And here's one. If you aren't crying, you're not grieving. Well, that's not necessarily true. I am a crier, so I have no problem. Okay? In this time of the year... You know, I, you know, with the Hallmark movies, I cry even more than ever. But anyway, the bottom line is, yeah, hey, I have no problem grieving. I'm, man, I'm a crier. Okay. And so you're like, oh, man, I'm too stoic. I'm, I'm tough, man. I cried twice in my life, and one of them's when my dog died. And I just don't cry. Okay, I'll give that to you. You, you don't have to cry. I think it does help. It, it definitely helps me and somebody I've ministered to over the years. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean because you don't cry that something's wrong with you. It's just, you know. It, it, so let's fill in the blank. Grief, grief is a healthy choice. Fill in that. Grief is healthy. We choose to grieve. Jesus invites us to grieve. Yeah, the story, John 11 with Lazarus, he wept. Jesus wept. I, I love that. Is it John eleven thirty five? 35? All I know is I love that Jesus Christ gives us permission, invites us to enter in with him to cry, to, to get there. And then let me give you Ecclesiastes chapter 3, uh, verse 1 and 4. I remember doing a series here a few years ago in Ecclesiastes. I love this writing, but listen to this from God's Word. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep, circle it in your Bibles or just make a note, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. That's, that's what the Word of God tells us. There is a season appointed under the sun for everything. 
And sometimes it's the weep and the cry, and that's just all part of it because it's tough. And what I do know is we have a broken, messed up world, and I think you'd go, yeah, we do. And we live in it, and we love being here, and we want to be conduits of the gospel. We want to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, but it's just, it's just part of it. So there's, there's this time, and, and, and there seems to be responses that are better than others is how we respond to grief. And, and I cannot, you see, grief doesn't necessarily happen in a linear fashion. I, I, in seminary, I remember studying the nine stages of grief, and there's the seven stages of grief, and the five, and everybody's got all these stages. And if I try to sit down as a clinician and get you to clinically grieve, okay, it's step one, let's move on to step three now. We need to progress, and let's go to step seven. You, you can't grieve like that. Sometimes you grieve here, you skip steps, you come back to them, you start them over. I don't know. We're all unique, and everybody's saying, yeah. I mean, you know, people are like, well, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Man, just be honest with Jesus. Just run to Him. Run to Him. That, that's what I've learned to do. He is my strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. He is an awesome God. As I was studying this week, I, I thought about one that's had a huge impact on our nation, on our world. Wrote the number one bestseller next to the Bible. His name is Rick Warren. If you know the story of Rick and Kay Warren, they lost their son, Matthew, to suicide. Basically had a mental illness that really hit him harder as he was older and he took his life. Now, this is the most famous pastor in the world that proclaims the Lord Jesus Christ. This guy grew up in a home saturated with Christ. And some things happened and it was really tough. So uh, as I was reading, he, uh, the way Rick can do it so well, he gave six stages of grief and I want you to fill them in because I thought these are really good and they all start with S. See, us preachers like stuff when things alliterate or when they... I, I, I used to be so weird. I used to do all my grocery shopping or whatever, or all my shopping period or stuff. I do it all alphabetically, or I do it in lists. And you're like, man, you need counseling for that. That's kind of weird. And I remember, I, I used to sit down with my Bible. Th this is God's truth. I would sit down with my Bible, and I would alliterate every passage I read. I, I would try to make it into a sermon. God freed me. I don't do that anymore. I was just like, oh, I got to have a T, I got to have a C, I got to have a B, I got to have an S. Like, you know, and, I, and I would think of words. I, I like words, kind of a wordsmith, but after a while, man, it is not freedom that we sing about. It is jail. But it's helpful. But in this, I want to share them with you. Here's, a, here's stage one, shock. Isn't that good? When grief comes, there's just that stage of shock, at least for the first week or month or whatever. And even as I was reading about Rick and Kay, they just talked, we kept hoping Matthew, would, that was his son's name, that he'd come walking through the door. I've certainly done that in my share of dealing with death. I would hope that my mom would come home. My dad would come back. Jan would come back for one more visit. Not to get too personal, but just because I loved him. That Keith, Sandy's husband, my friend, would come back just one more time. That brother Terry... Susan's husband. We'd just come back, we'd have one more visit. So, shock. Look at stage two. Sorrow. It, this, this is amazing. Uh, profound sadness that comes, and, and you, you almost seem to be devastated, and you are. But I pray for us as Christians, and we put our hope in Christ, but we are not destroyed. We look to God. Look at the third stage. Struggle. 
man, that's for all of us. We, we struggle with death. We, we struggle how to deal with it, what to say, what not to say. And we get, and here it is, we get all these why questions. I know we shouldn't ask why. We should ask, what are you wanting to do in my life? What are you going to do through this, God? But why questions will tend to settle in. Why me, God? Why them? They were a moral, upright, righteous person that lived for you. God, they brought comfort and joy, but God knows best. How many believe that God allows every single thing that happens and He permits it to happen? Because He knows best. So I trust Him. I, I leave the future to God. He, he knows better than you and I. Stage four, surrender. God, I somehow I move to this stage that I just surrender, that I've got all these unanswered questions, but God, at the end of the day, you are worthy of my praise and my adoration. I trust you, God. And, and I've had to do that so many times. It doesn't matter how many Bibles I've read and how many subjects and books I've read or whatever I've done or of years of doing this. I still have questions and I just go, God, I surrender to you. I know you know best and I don't. Look at stage five, sanctification. Man, that's a good theological word. And basically... Uh, God, I trust you to set this apart for your glory and for your good and your purposes. So God, sanctify this situation, and Lord, my heart hurts. I'm going to be honest with you. In stage six, then I turn it to service. I've, I've watched that in our church. Instead of just being depressed clinically or whatever for the rest of your days, you choose that, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow and the Father has chosen to still leave me here for a reason and I'm going to serve the purposes of the King. Amen? There's a lady in this room right now and every time we have a mission trip, whether it be youth or adults, she signs up. Susan, she wants to go. She could sit home and go, oh, woe is me. God is done. She's like, where are we going next year? I, Susan, let's celebrate this trip right now. Okay. She's got her go badge. I love that about Miss Susan. She loves to go. Part of the gospel, go into all the world. Man, I could, I could preach on that for days, but I'll keep going. So you get in all these uh, stages. We could, uh, the others talk about denial, anger. Oh, boy, I've been there. Uh, bargaining. Have you ever had that when you're going through death and grief? God, I'll make a bargain with you. If you just won't let them die, I will serve you all the days of my life. That's like all the people that come to me. You would not believe how many people have come up to me in the last three months. Pastor, when I win, and these people don't even go to our church, when I win the lottery, I'm going to pay off Christ's community. I'm like, oh, you're not going to win, but you can give now, you know? I don't think they're going to win. If we get a check this week, I'll, I'll make a rebuttal on that statement. I go, I repent. They won. But that hadn't happened yet. Okay. Uh, here, here, here's a question we do a lot of times. If only, if only. Guilt is often, in, often a bargaining companion, the if onlys. God, I find fault in this. Lord, whatever. God, this. If, if you do this. If, if I do that, will you do this with me? We don't, we don't bargain with a holy God. His ways are higher than ours. He's above us. He, he knows us. He knows he's fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, I was thinking the other day, I don't know, I was just in this, I, I think it's because I'm a huge pro-lifer and on the board, and we just had our great banquet. Dave and Bethany are over there loving on our kids right now. And so I'm always thinking about, God, I love you. You love life. You're for every baby in the church said. 
Man, God, God chooses that. And, and so I go, God, I, I choose that, Lord. I, I believe you, Lord. I believe that we're made in your image. And then this whole thing, another stage would be depression. And God knows I've seen my share of depression in people that grieve. I've, I've had it. I've watched people close to me go through depression. That's, that's part of it. I, I pray by the grace of Jesus they don't get stuck and stay there the rest of their days. But depression is kind of a protective element the way god we can't maybe handle all of it that's the whole shock factor you know because of what i do professionally i'm supposed to have all these answers because i've read all these books and done all these things you know clinically for years but the 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 real reality is man when when you show up and everybody goes how are they brother how are they usually like they're in shock they're dismayed they 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 saw me but they didn't see me and it's just god's way of protecting them are, are you grateful that God does that for us, that he shields us? How many are grateful for that? I am. And here, I give you this message, and right now, outside of Buffy that's dealing with the most recent death, the rest of us are like, man, this is good. But you are going to, this is one of those messages you're going to deal with. You're not going to escape this life and go, you know what, pastor preached on grief. Man, what has grief got to do with me? Everything. You know, I wished I could go. Sure, I'm not doing any more funerals. No more resurrection services. None. Well, if the Lord raptures us, I won't do anymore. But if he doesn't, I suspect I'll probably have some. And I'll tell you what happens in my world as a preacher. They tend to run in threes. I won't have a funeral for months and months and months. And all of a sudden, everybody starts dying. It's not necessarily in our congregations. It's just because I've been in this city and ministered to people all over. They start calling me. I grew up with them. And we, we saw you. You know, someone saw yeah, Could you come minister to us? The other day, I had a woman walk in. Listen to this. I'm here. She walked in. And she goes, hey, I need you to do a funeral. I went, well, you know, I'm thinking, well, when is it? She goes, tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon? Uh, uh. I said, can we change it? Because no, we've already printed it. It's in the obituary. <laughs> well, hey, let me just give y'all something free, okay? Please tell your family to notify me ahead of time. It just really, really helps. Because in that case, I had so many things I had to do, and then I had to wake up before Jesus woke up. And prepare the next morning so I can go do the service. You know, that was just, that was just stressful, man. I was like, man, I'm glad we don't have a church of 5,000 people. People just showing up, say, hey. So, if you know what happens to the, pa- the senior pastors in the big churches, they select the funerals they're going to do. Okay, let's just keep it. Well, it sounds like I'm bitter. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, here we go. So, here it is. Here it is. Six things. In a season of loss, fill it in. Release your grief. You're in a season of grief release it quickly to the lord run to where comfort could be found blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and of all comfort second corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 but i would mark in your bible second corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 through 8 the strongest passage about comfort he gets stuck on the word comfort i mean it is just amazing uh listen to this the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble without the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so all through, also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. And he goes on and on, and we'll come back to it in a minute. I mean, it's just, Paul's really trying to get this comfort thing in here. Like, man, this is what God does for us. So we thank our Heavenly Father. Here it is. Our Heavenly Father is in charge of compassion and comfort. So you need comfort? 
You need peace? You need strength for the journey? Run to Jesus. If you don't run to Jesus, it's going to be so much harder. Really, you're going to be incredibly frustrated. Because he holds the keys and he holds the answers and he's the source of all true comfort. In Psalm 62, verse 8, in the New Living Translation, it says, Pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. God, I'm hurting. I just want to pour it out. I, I find myself on my journey called faith, a lot of times pouring out my heart, my concerns, my praises to him that can do something about it, going directly to him. In Matthew 5, 4, listen to this. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. I love that in the Beatitudes. Jesus knew that there would be times to mourn and cry and be upset and distraught. But he said, blessed are you that do that. For I will come and I will comfort you. I tell you today, not as your pastor, not as a preacher, as a friend, but as a practitioner, I come saying I've learned about the comfort of Jesus Christ. And he comforts us in all our trials and troubles and tribulations. Certainly in death, in grieving of that, whatever form it looks like. I cry out to you, God, I'm hurt, I'm grieving. God, could you take this one? I'm weak. And the scripture says, in our weakness, he is strong. His power is made perfect. Psalm 62, 8, pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. So here's what I'd say. Release your grief to God. And in the process, God begins to heal our hearts, our souls. But until we release, I, I imagine we are stuck and we don't seem to make much progress to move through it and with him. We just stay there. So we pour it out to him in good faith. This navigating grief, they're about Ashley Slater. She wrote a, a book and uh, she has some interesting things to say. And I thought, man, I, I want you to hear this. Number one, surround yourself with a trusted community. It, it, isn't that good? Surround yourself with people that care about you, that love you. I submit to you, that's the church of the living Christ. That's the people that sit around you, the people that serve with you, the people in your small group. It's certainly people in your Bible study or whatever, and they allow you to cry and share your uncensored feelings with them without judgment and condemnation. They're just there for you. And they even have the ability, listen, to listen. Wow, I've had those friends in my life. I have them right now deeply. So thankful for them. That they want to come alongside. I pray that you have that. Secondly, allow your process to be unique because we don't do it in linear, uh, you know, in this fashion, A, B, C, D, E, F. You might go A, D, G, Z, you know, and then come back and do E and U. I, I don't know. We're just unique. And, I mean, look around the room. Don't laugh, but there are unique people in here. Okay. We're all kind of unique. You know, we used to say uniqueue. Okay, okay. So there's, there's no comparing here. Be, here's the other thing I'd say to us. Be careful, Keith and friends, not to compare your grief to somebody else's because people grieve differently. But they grieve. But the reason for this message is to try to somehow... Get you thinking, get you praying, get you to give you some tools 
to think about when I do grieve, I, I want to try to do it the best I can. I want to do it with Jesus. I, I don't want to do it alone. It's also a great witness for you to other people because I find people are very open to the gospel, to Jesus, once they go through their anger or their depression or whatever. They're more open to the things of the Spirit. They're more open to the things of eternity because eternity now becomes more real to them. And then third, be patient with yourself through grieving. It, 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 grief is not a process to rush. That is probably one of the truths that I'm learning still. You know, I, I tend to want to do it kind of fast. Another thing is like, I can't do it fast. And grief. Grief knows no time limits. Some will tend to heal a little faster than others. My prayer is that they are moving. They're not checked out. See, you've been a pastor as long as I have. I, I've seen it all. I still remember, I can see her like yesterday, I worked with so many teenagers over the years, but I still remember this little girl, her name was Georgette. She took her life one night as a 17-year-old. And I remember seeing her mom and dad as a result. Her, her dad was our security man at our church. And literally when we went and had her funeral, I think her dad died that day. Not physically, he definitely died emotionally. And he never, and I haven't seen him in years, but in those decade or 15 years I kept up with him, he just seemed to get stuck and never was able to go on. It was sad. I didn't have the tools maybe I had today. Maybe, maybe today I wish, maybe, maybe as a result of this, when I, when I hear this again, maybe it'll make me call and see if he's still living, maybe to go see how he's doing. I, I don't know. But, but I've seen people get stuck and stay there. Most of the time, we tend to move through it, which is, which is healthy. But, but we do feel numb when it comes. As caregivers, we feel numb. We, we experience the pain of it, the pain of grief. But we move through it by faith. We, we trust. We adjust. You, you, you know, that's what death does for you. You have to adjust to the circumstances at hand. At, at our table at home, in our kitchen, we had a lot of meals there with Jan. And I will tell you, to this day, sometimes I will look over there and I'll get a little sad. I miss her. Now, I can tell you this in jest because I've laughed and I've prayed and I loved her so much and I always will. I made fun of her a lot. <laughs> and as she sat at my table, you, you knew Jan. Jan didn't hear well. She had this very expensive set of hearing aids that didn't work worth a flip and they and when she eat they and i'd go jan jan huh i said you gotta turn it down oh okay she turned it down you know bless her heart i wish i hadn't harassed her so bad but it was so fun and then i noticed at the end of her life sometimes i'd go in and I'd go jan what you watching i, I don't know i said what, what are they saying i don't hear them i'm just watching them when I go over in that little room where we watch TV together, I just think about that sweet little lady and how, how different our home is without her. And how different your home is without people you love. And if you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm young. Everybody in my life is living. Praise the Lord. They will die. Okay. At some point, they will. And we're in the land of the dying on the way to the land of the living. How many want to go to the land of the living? I do, for we live forevermore with Jesus. Amen. In this life, you don't escape it. Okay, listen to what Dr. Joseph Stoll said. 
Even though your heart is breaking and your tears are clouding your eyes and staining your cheeks, God does give us something worth trusting in tough times. You know what it is? It's Him. Himself. He gives Himself to us as believers in Christ that when we are breaking and have no hope, if we place our hope and trust completely in Him, we find grace and peace and strength for life. God, we are confident that you are in charge. And grief, I'll just say this, i got to wrap it up kind of quickly. Grief lasts longer than you ever expected. Sometimes we imagine that it's, it's going to be kind of a short period of time. And it usually doesn't do that. It always seems to take longer than I thought it was going to take because I think it's a perpetual process. You're always going through it. But my prayer is that you'll be comforted by the one that comforts and you, you won't just stay there. That You'll allow Him to carry you. L- listen to some of these verses. These are ones you want to write down. These are ones I, I've looked at and I've seen some of you writing and it just makes this pastor so happy because I work so hard to give you notes. And you that don't take notes, I grieve so much every weekend. That's really not tongue-in-cheek. I mean, when I see empty worship guys that are not written on, ah! I mean, Cheryl will tell you, I have, I have multiple files two four drawers full of my sermons and boxes and boxes full of notes i am an avid learner note taker i just I, I think you should write everything down and some of you think i should write nothing down but listen to this psalm 6 verses 2 through 4 be merciful to me lord and i am faint O lord heal me for my bones are in agony my soul is in anguish how long O lord how long turn O lord deliver me save me because of your unfailing love oh i love that verse And then Psalm chapter 6, the same chapter, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what the psalmist says here. I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eyes have wasted away with grief. That sounds like a man or a woman that's hurting. But what I love about the psalmist is real, authentic, rawness. And shows you and I. And then Psalm 61, verses 1 through 3, write this down. Hear my cry, God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will call to you, God. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge and a strong tower against the foe. Oh, friend, if you walk out here today and you go, man, what a word. Make Jesus your strong tower every day. And the church said, you don't have to grieve your loss alone. You have Jesus for that. And then if you're a Christian, you have community, such as our church, you have the body of Christ to come in for you. I would say choose joy. I read this. I used to think of grief as a storm. The force knocks you off your feet mentally, spiritually, emotionally. But grief is a journey. Have you noticed that word? I've used it several times a day. Journey. Life is a journey. Faith is a journey. Grief is a journey. I don't know about you on the journey. I'm going to pick Jesus to go with me. You know when you go on a trip, you pick somebody to go with you? Oh, I'm going to pick my spouse. Well, that's good if you're married. You should take them. I'm going to take my kids. Well, that's good. But let me tell you the one you want to take. You want to invite Jesus to go along. Because he's the one that can protect you. And he's real. And he's there. And listen to what C.S. Lewis says that God uses pain to get our attention. I've quoted this, but I love this quote. God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Pain is God's megaphone. Man, God has shouted some of the loudest messages to this stubborn, hard guy sometimes in my pain. 
because he was for me. And I can't control your pain and you can't. And in your pain and your grief, you can choose to be bitter or better. You choose it. You can choose it to be a stepping stone toward Christ or a stumbling block to fall away from Christ. But there's a word I said, choice. You choose. In two weeks, I start a whole new series called Great Joy. Oh, man, I'm so excited about preaching Christmas this year. This is my 23rd Christmas season. You're like, amen. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and some of you have been with me all 23. May God bless you and keep you till Jesus comes. And some of you are like, this is our first, this is our tenth, this is our whatever. All right, we'll praise God, you know. And if you've been here the longest, you get to sit up front during the series. Not really, nobody would come for that, okay. All right, let me do this, because we've got to move it toward a real closing song. Be honest with Jesus about your emotions. Open yourself up to God's helpers, the community. Celebrate eternity. And then I want you to fill in the last blank. See, last week I forgot to give you the last one. And it was for you to create a spiritual hit list and write names of people you're praying for. I got it in there, Kathy. Thank you. Okay, now, this is the point that I want to preach on, and my time is up, so I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. But I'm going to fill in the blank, because if I don't, some of you are going to go nuts. The Ministry of Presence, capital P. The Ministry of Presence. That's what we have in grief. The Ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Ministry of Jesus, He comes near. But we also have the ministry of little p. And the little p is the presence of believers, your faith family, those that love Christ can come alongside you. And Job was a man in Scripture that lost everything dear to him. And he had friends that came, and man, they were giving him a hard time. So Job, about 30 chapters, it must have been uh, sin in your life. You know, that's why you had all these horrible things. But there's this word, I thought it was interesting. They sat in Shiva. S-H-I-V-A. They said in Shiva, and we will close with that. You're like, what in the rip is Shiva? I already said this word to Jeremy. He goes, what is Shiva? I said, I'm glad you're here. I'll tell you today. It's a Jewish practice that they practice in a fateful manner of sitting with a grieving person for seven days without saying a word. Man, have we lost Shiva. But here's what I love that the Jews knew. There was power and companionship and community. And there was something about coming alongside one that was grieving. And for you and I, I pray that we will practice Shiva. That we will learn to come alongside other people in their pain, in their sorrow, in their trouble, in their grief. That they might find healing in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Church. Don't hoard your comfort that you have received from Christ. Pass it on. And that is God's word this morning. Let's pray and we'll have a closing song. Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit and for this message that seems to resonate with everybody in here. And Lord, I pray that we would be just attuned, adjusted that we would go to your heart. We would seek you in the good, in the bad, in death, in life. But Lord, we would learn to grieve. We would learn to do it biblically. And God, make us a church that would be effective and fruitful and compassionate. And yes, God, that we would be a church that comforts with the same comfort that we have received from Jesus ourselves. Lord, we love you. I pray that today, if somebody's not in Christ, 
they would consider Jesus Christ and turning their heart, opening their life to Him, inviting Him to come and rule in their life this morning. Father, I pray they would grab Dave or they, uh, uh, our elder. I pray they'd uh, grab Chaplain Dave. I pray they would grab Blake. I pray they'd grab me. They'd grab a small group leader. They would grab somebody and go, I want to talk to you more about my grief or about this Jesus. Lord, you are faithful. Lord, bless this next song as we worship you and close out our day. And Lord, we are grateful. We are thankful for every gift we have in Jesus Christ. Amen.